Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. You know, we want to be those that believe the best about other people. Amen? Um, not assuming the worst. Not filling in the blanks. Not, not figuring out why somebody... I'm going to ask you, why you didn't call me back? I'm not going to assume that, you, you know, why you didn't. Um, I've had people do this to me. You know, normally I'm, I'm kind of jovial. I'm, I, I smile. I play around. That's my normal disposition. Sometimes I, mean, I might be tired. Um, might be hungry. You know, I might be <laughs> what they call a hangry, you know, whatever. And, uh, you know, but I, I might not be myself and it might not have nothing to do with you. In today's message, Pastor Bill will encourage you to engage in healthy communications with those around you. The way that people choose to communicate with others can make a huge difference in how they interact in the future. Assumption is the enemy of clear communication. When we assume what someone is thinking instead of asking them, we invite a whole world of problems. When Christians evangelize, this too is a form of communication. We need to communicate clearly and authentically. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 1 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Just to give a little bit of a, a recap, the, you know, before we moved here, we had gone through the entire book of 1 Corinthians. Uh, the majority of 1 Corinthians was a correction. Paul had the, the Corinthian church, if you guys that went through it with us know that they were jacked up. They had sexual sin. Um, they were getting drunk at communion. They were taking one another to court. They were, they were a really messed up church. And I think it's awesome that God still loved them. Paul was, you know, God didn't give up on them. God didn't say y'all, y'all, y'all jacked up. You know, he had Paul love them and minister to them. And that whole letter was written to set them straight. They were misusing the spiritual gifts. He corrected those things. They misunderstood the resurrection. He clarified the gospel, the, the need to understand the resurrection, the whole letter to correct them. But it was a loving correction. It was a correction because he cared about them. Now, second Corinthians, the tone kind of changes. Paul wants to pour out his heart to this church. Um, there's been a distance of about a year in between the two books and something that's taken place. And this is kind of what we're going to see today. As often happens when there's a genuine work of God, uh, the enemy will come in. There's been false teachers. Uh, Paul's had those that oppose him and uh, opposition come and create suspicion about, you know, his um, his authority as an apostle. And so. The first part of 2 Corinthians, Paul is, you know, we, last week he had to tell them I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ. So they would know, like, I'm, I'm God sent me here. I'm not here on my own accord. Um, and this week he offers a little more of a defense uh, for some of the things that they were coming against him. And so uh, there's a lot for us to gain and learn. So uh, we're going to pick up today at verse 12. So 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 12, uh, Paul says, for our boasting is this. The testimony of our conscience that we conducted ourselves in the world in simplicity and God and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God and more abundantly towards you. Um, first off, as Paul tells me, the tone of this is a defense. You know, he's got to defend himself against charges that he lacked authority against charges that he was wishy-washy because he had planned to go and he didn't get to go. We'll see as we continue through the letter. Um, and here he says, look. Our boasting, first of all, is this before he even tells him about, you know, giving a defense. He says, I got a clear conscience before the Lord, uh, which is the most important thing for any believer. You know, you may have people that feel one way or another way about you, but we want to have a good conscience before God. Paul says, look, I have a clear conscience. I have a, I have I have I have conducted ourselves 
in the world in simplicity and godly fear. Uh, we've been we you kept things real between us and the Lord. No matter what y'all have said, I got a good conscience before the Lord. Uh, everybody here can check themselves. Is your conscience clear before God? Sometimes people are saying stuff about you, and it's true. Cause it's true. You know, you know it's true. They know it's true. Your conscience is not clear. Uh, other times, as Paul is able to stand and say, "Look, I know these things are being said. I'm gonna I'm gonna give a defense." But up front, I before God, I've walked in and. Godly sincerity. I got a clear conscience. I'm not guilty of any of that stuff, but I'm gonna give a defense anyway. I'll tell you this: um, God had God re re uh, kind of redirected me as I went through this chapter. It it has been my position for a long time, in my opinion, and my view that if somebody comes against you uh, or says something against you, that you don't defend yourself. You know, just let the Lord defend you, uh, and that's what I've learned uh, over years. And people have taught me, but. You know, the word can redirect us. As I look at this letter, Paul is actually giving a defense. Uh, people are attacking him and Paul is saying, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take the time to write out a written defense about what you guys are saying. So I've, I've had to re-address uh, my position on that issue. Um, when someone has said something against you or come against you, I think that we need to pray about rather or not God would have us to defend ourselves or let it go. I think it could go either way. Um, again, there was a time where my position was, nope, you just leave it with the Lord. Let him deal with it. You don't defend yourself ever. But as I'm reading this, I'm like, well, maybe there are times where God's like, no, you might need to clear things up for people. So that's what Paul's doing here is clearing things up. Um, and so, again, I, I just I'm sharing that with you guys, because whenever our beliefs or our views come into conflict with the word, what needs to change? Our views and our opinions, right? Like God's word ain't changing. So the Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. So when, if I have an opinion or a view and I come up to scripture and I'm like, wow, I always thought this, but the word says that. I'm the one that needs to make the adjustment. Amen? Amen. And so that, I'm just sharing that with y'all because I made an adjustment this week. I just want y'all to know about it. So um, <laughs> Paul's going Paul's to offer up a defense. So I got a good conscience before God and before you guys. Verse 13, for we are not writing anything any other things to you than what you read or understand. Now, this is important, too. Paul saying the stuff I'm sharing with you, the things I'm saying, to you guys, it's, not, it's nothing different from what you can go read. And so I'm not giving you guys some new doctrine. You guys can check it by the book. I'm not giving you guys anything other than what you can read or understand in the same way. You know, for some ministers or those that are ministering today, it, it should be that they can say the same thing. I'm not giving you guys anything that you can't go home and read again for yourself. I encourage you guys to read before you come. You know where we're going to be the following week normally. Um, I encourage you afterwards to go home and read it again and check the things that are being said. Be a Berean. Um, that's OK. Um, it's, it's always OK to do that unless you're in a place that's not teaching the truth or in a cult or somewhere where you might find out that that is not correct. You know, but it should always be a good thing. For you guys to open up the book. Paul said, look, the things I'm saying, same stuff you guys can go back and read. Check it when you go home. You can go home and read it again. Uh, I'm not giving you guys something new or strange or foreign. You can go home and read it again. Um, now he says, the second part of verse 13, now I trust that you will understand even to the end, as also you have understood us in part, that we are your boast as also you are ours in the day of, of the Lord Jesus. Now, when Paul says in verse 14 that you have understood us in part, uh, he's basically saying there's been some level of misunderstanding. 
Uh, you, you know, you guys can go home and check the word verbatim. It's, you, that's not misunderstood. You can check it. But it says somehow you guys have misunderstood us in part. And I'm explaining how they misunderstood Paul and how that it happens among us as believers today and how we want to be careful about it. They misunderstood Paul in part because they assume some things. And I don't know if any of you guys are here that do this, but I know people that do this. And it's a very dangerous thing to do. Um, it's let's say somebody, you know, doesn't call you back. Are you the kind of person that because they didn't call you back, you go ahead and write a novel about why they didn't. I bet the reason they didn't call me back was because last week when I was with them, at, I ate the last piece of chicken and they got mad at me. And so do you create a whole dilemma as far as why and then believe it and then be on the phone telling Susie the same thing? Um, that's what some people do. They create uh, what's not there. You know, they fill in the blank. And that's what they've done to Paul. Paul had said he was going to be coming two times to them and he only got to go one time. He didn't get to go back for the second trip. And since he had planned it and didn't go, they said, oh, he's wishy-washy. He said he was coming, didn't come. He's not a man of his word. His yes isn't yes. And they created all these things without knowing why he didn't come, without knowing what had taken place. Are you that kind of believer? If so, um, you want to be corrected in that today. As Christians, we want to always believe the best about other people, right? We want to believe the best unless shown otherwise. Uh, even in the court of law, even though... It feels like you're guilty until proven innocent. What they say is correct. They say, hey, these people are innocent until proven guilty. You watch any cop shows on TV after they, you know, beat them up and lock them up and, you know, take this. Now these people are innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. You know, um, sometimes believers, we don't do that much for one another. People be guilty unless they can prove their innocence. Um, and it's not supposed to be that way. You know, we want to be those that believe the best about other people. Amen. Um, not assuming the worst, not filling in the blanks, not not figuring out why somebody I'm going to ask you why you didn't call me back. I'm not going to assume that, you you know, why you didn't. Um, I've had people do this to me. You know, normally I'm I'm kind of jovial. I'm, I, I smile. I play around. That's my normal disposition. Sometimes I mean, I might be tired, um, might be hungry. You know, I might be <laughs> what they call a hangry, you know, whatever. And, uh, you know, but I, I might not be myself and it might not have nothing to do with you. But I can have somebody who's like, he's just not himself. Something's, something's wrong. Are you okay? Did I do something? It's like, bro, is this not about you, brother? I get a, can I get a piece of chicken? You know, like, <laughs> I'm going to be okay in a little bit. It's going to have nothing to do with you. But I don't want somebody writing a novel and saying, you know, I, 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 I think he was upset because, and I, I've had people in, and I've had people do this to me where they, I think he was upset because this thing over here, and then they're, they're calling apologizing about something. I'm like, I didn't care about that. That didn't bother me. I just, don't do that. Just, just. Let me let me have a funny face one day, you know, <laughs> don't do that to people. Right. Don't fill in the blanks. That's how relationships get damaged. That's how gossip goes, because some people, some people, some people, <laughs> they not only believe wrong and assume wrong, then they share it. Then they then they tell other people and they talk about it like it's a fact. And we're going to learn as we go through this chapter. We just don't want to be that kind of believer. Right. We don't want to be that kind of church because it doesn't there's no benefit that comes. Nobody gets help. People get hurt through it. Um, you know, we'll talk about how we need to address misunderstandings when they do happen. Um, oh, well, real quick, you know, the proper way to address a misunderstanding is what, what are we what are we supposed to do? OK, Greg said it We talk to them. Right. If I got a disagreement with Greg, I'm not supposed to call Clint. And then have a meeting with Dave 
and then pray with Frank and then say, now I think I'm ready to meet with Greg. You know, like if my issues with Greg, I got to go straight to Greg and say, hey, bro, we need to have a private conversation. Am I supposed to do it to Greg in front of other people? No. Private conversation. If I do it to him in front of other people, I'm, I'm putting him in a position to maybe get prideful and maybe be angry to maybe feel embarrassed. It's not putting him in the best scenario, right? We go one-on-one in private with a heart that says, I want to really resolve this so me and my brother could be at peace. But if I go to Clint and then meet with Dave and pray with Frank, when Greg finds out that I done talked to all of them about him, how's Greg feel about that? Negative. Bad. He's hurt. He feels, you know, all out there. And this happens the other way. When y'all have talked about Greg, because I didn't do it, y'all did it, you know. When y'all have all <laughs> talked about Greg like that, Greg walk in the room and y'all are like, oh, here it comes. You know, you can't even look him in his face. Y'all done talked all bad about him. The church can't be doing that kind of stuff. Amen. They do that stuff out there, but we can't be doing that kind of stuff in here. And so we want to, you know, we'll have we'll have opposition. We'll bump heads. It's impossible that we won't um, be in such a diverse people. God, God chooses the family of God. We don't choose him. He puts us all together, different characters, different personalities, different makeups. And it says you guys are brothers and sisters. Love each other. And so that's going to be a challenge. But we, we need to rise up to that challenge and do it to glorify him. Amen. And so moving on. So they they have these misunderstandings, but Paul is writing this to clear it up. And I want you to notice that Paul's heart is still positive. He says, look, you says we are your boast and you are ours in the day of the Lord Jesus. Paul says when it's all said and done, we 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 sharing something special together. I've ministered to you guys. You guys are a blessing to me. Um, Paul led them to the Lord. You know, Paul, I care about you guys. When we when it's all said and done in the day of the Lord Jesus. We're going to be before him rejoicing. You guys can be thankful that I, that, I, that I poured into you guys. I'm going to be thankful that I got to have a part in, in seeing what you guys are doing. You guys have also ministered to me. So let's don't, record, let's don't ruin on earth what's going to be sweet in heaven. Amen. That we're going to have something really special in heaven. So it should be kind of sweet. This should be a precursor yeah. to what we're going to have up there. When we gather together for fellowship, it should be a, it should be a little bit of heaven on earth. It should be a precursor to, to that. Christian fellowship should be a sweet thing. And if there's something that's gotten into your heart and mind that doesn't allow it to be a sweet thing, you want to deal with whatever got into your heart and mind, um, because it should be a sweet thing when the family of God gathers together. And so moving out, look at verses 15 and 16. He says, and in this confidence, I intended to come to you before that you might have a second benefit to pass by way of you to Macedonia to come again from Macedonia to you and to be helped by you on my way to Judea. So Paul had planned a second trip uh, when he says that you might have a second benefit. He was saying that me coming the first time was a benefit and I was hoping y'all would get a second benefit. Um, you know, now some people might feel like that sounds prideful, you know, but but was it not a benefit that Paul went to them? Paul said, I wanted to come again. I wanted to, I want, I wanted to have a second benefit, a second time with you guys. We're going to see at the end of the letter that Paul says one of the reasons why I couldn't come. It was actually good that God didn't let me come because of how y'all were behaving at this time. Probably a good thing that I didn't show up. And so Paul had plans. Um, God obviously had other plans. Uh, this is important, too. Right. Paul's a man of God. Paul's a man of prayer. Paul's an apostle of Jesus Christ. Nobody here would doubt the sincerity of his relationship with the Lord. Well, Paul, this man of God, had a plan that God redirected. Um, so that should teach you and me something about our plans. Are you a person that makes plans? Do you have a five year plan? Now, I'm not going to not having a plan, but I'm going to challenge those that would make a plan and then cling to it. Um, some of y'all can't have a plan. 
because you can't let God can't redirect you once you get one. You know, um, you got to hold your plans lightly. Have one. Go ahead. and Have one. Don't be don't just be random and see what happens. You know, have a plan. But but hold that plan. Pray through the plan. Make it the plan. But if God should want to redirect the plan, you let him redirect. You know, um, I use my phone a lot when I'm driving and I, I, the, 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 the lady talks to me, Siri. And sometimes I'll put in a thing and I tell them, tell them I know where I'm going to be going. But I'll see that there's traffic the way she's telling me to go and I'll go another way. And so I, I'm a good with back streets. And so I'll start hitting the back streets and she keeps talking. No, turn right here. She's trying to take me back to the main street, but I'm not going. I'm not listening. She keeps talking and telling me to go back the other way. Um, you know, but I, I, I already know where I'm going. I, I got a different route. You know, I'm not going to go back. That's OK when it's Siri. But if it's the Holy Spirit saying, turn right here, you need to go ahead and make that right turn. Amen. You need to go ahead and let God redirect you where you're going. And so um, it's important to know that. Right. Paul had a plan, um, but it wasn't God's will that he go back this second time, even though he wanted to plan to and even shared with them that he would be going. Um, We want there to be some flexibility about the things that we plan and and know that sometimes God will kind of aim us in a direction and then redirect us. Can you can you yield? Uh, I think of some people in scripture that God put them on a course and, you know, they were they were doing great where they were. And then God just said, change course, you know, out of nowhere. And just how that they had to yield Philip, you know, Philip was there. He was ministering. But it was actually going very well where he was. People were getting saved. It was dynamic ministry was going on. And then the Holy Spirit came and said, I want you to run and, you know, go to the desert. But but the ministry's going good here. Lord, I got people coming every day. People are coming. He said, I want you to go to the desert. Philip goes to the desert. As he's out in the desert, he sees a chariot. The Lord tells him, I want you to run and catch up with that chariot. Like I, I, I read those things in my Bible and I think, what kind of obedience is that? That's, that's, I, want, I need to be that. Like that, that. That convicts me, right? That God would just say, stop, go. He goes. As he's there, God said, run. And I'm, as you a grown man in here, or a grown woman, you don't probably run just because. So I want you to think about to the moped. Somebody's on a moped and the Lord is speaking to your heart saying, I want you to run and catch up with them. For what? How many of us would have? We need a week to pray about that. I need to get with my prayer group and pray. I, I want to confirm this with 12 verses and three, you know, uh, fleeces. How many of us just, all right, Lord, boom, you know, and he ran and caught up and led that man to the Lord and baptized him and experienced a miracle of God. Um, we want to be able to be redirected by God and just led by his spirit. Amen. So moving on, um, Paul's letting them know why it is that he's not going to be coming back. Um, uh, why his, his plans are not going to be fulfilled. Verse uh, 17. Now he says, therefore, wh- when I was planning this, he said, did I do it lightly or the thing I plan? Do I plan according the things I plan? Do I plan according to the flesh that with me, there should be yes, yes. And no, no. Some of what they were accusing Paul of was, again, they were accusing him of being wishy-washy. When he says he's coming, now he's not coming. You know, he says, Paul says, look, do I, do I plan this lightly? Was I planning? Was my planning according to the flesh um, just because it didn't work out? He, they, uh, he says, were they, were they I'm sorry, um, according to the flesh, that with me there should be yes, yes, and no, no, verse 18. He says, but as God is faithful, our word to you was not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me, Sylvanus and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him was yes. And this is what Paul does, something really interesting. Paul gets off of him and his plans, 
right? He says, let me take it back to what, what matters, right? The gospel that we preach to you guys, the messages that me and Timothy and Sylvanus, the messages from the word of God that we preach, the messages are not yes and no. They're yes. They're definitive. This is all the promises of God is going to say in the next verse are yes and amen to the glory of God through us. And so Paul said, look, don't mistake. Don't don't mix up the, the authenticity and the power of our message because I had a change of plans here. But that's what was happening. Now, again, I want to speak of the danger of this. Right. Paul was sent by God. Paul was the person God had raised up to lead this church, to lead them to him, to minister to them. Um, people were creating questions and doubt about his his validity of his ministry and everything else. Who ultimately is hurt in that whole exchange? Who loses out? Does Paul lose out? No. Who loses out? They do. That's why I bring this up. Um, it's usually the people, right? It's the people that can get, you know, can get stirred up, can get moved in the wrong direction, that can that can stir up stuff. And so we want to be careful that we're not losing out. Um, they're losing out on. God sent this man to minister to them. And as I read this whole section, which is Paul giving a defense, I think what a waste that he had to waste time writing a defense. He has so much. We're going to see in the rest of the letter that Paul has so much to pour out to them, so much of his heart, so much meaningful stuff to pour out. He's got to waste time right here saying, hey, guys, hear me, you know, give me give me, you know, give me credit when I speak it from God. He's got to spend time validating himself to them before he gets to it. That's a waste. That's a waste. Um, we don't want to be these kind of people that um, believe wrong. They, they believe the wrong thing about Paul. They've let people mess them up. Um, they've listened to things that they shouldn't have listened to, said things they shouldn't have said. And Paul's having to clear things up. Uh, we all want to be careful about doing that. And one of the things I see happen in the world many times is um, the church, which we should really be a light and a witness to the world. Sometimes we're the opposite. You have people go to church, then hang out with a non-believing family and friends, talk bad about the people at church, and then invite them to come. Y'all want to come? <laughs> Why would I want to come there? Y'all talk about me too? You know, um, it's just a terrible witness. You know, we want to be careful about that. Um, if you know, if there, if there are things like we said earlier, if there are things about people in the body, we go to them. Bam, straight to them. Uh, I've seen over the years in my own life there've been people that I that I've gone to, people that have come to me. Um, those relationships are richer relationships. Uh, you know, I've had people that I was, I was afraid to go to them. I didn't know what they were going to say. If I was going to get in trouble, if they were going to get mad. And I go and they're like, man, thank you, for tell, thank you for telling me the truth. Thank you for loving me enough to tell me the truth. I've had people rebuke me and say something to me. I had somebody drive and go out of their way to come and really bring a rebuke and a correction to me. And as I stood there kind of listening and receiving it and taking it in, I really felt so strongly that this person didn't get in their car. And drive way over here because they hate me. That, they, that, that there was a concern for me, and they came and they just spoke some harsh things. But it was it was it was partly true, and so I was inclined to just receive it and humble myself. That they didn't they didn't they didn't they didn't tell this to twenty other people to you know talk about my. They came straight to me and said, "Hey, this is something. I, this is what I think. I don't know." And they just hit me with it. I it just been, it benefit me better to receive that than it would for me to you know buck up against it. Be careful that you can you can be corrected and even give correction with the heart that says I'm part of the body. These people are my family and I want to see God glorified. Ultimately, you know what God doesn't want to look down here and see is us at war with one another. It doesn't glorify him. It doesn't bless him. Anybody here with kids, 
When you see your kids loving each other and serving each other, it, it blesses you. It does something for you. When I, when I see my kids being nice to each other and they just, it just, just, just give me a warm fuzzy. I look and I just, oh, I just, it's just, this one, that's a great feeling. Now, when, when you see them fighting and fussing, you don't get that feeling. You know, you're like, uh, I feel bad. I, I, as, as a parent now, I look at what we put our parents through. You've been listening to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. Today's message from the book of 2 Corinthians is available to listen to again on our website. Just visit calvaryinglewood.org and click on teachings. Otherwise, you can download our mobile app to listen to more messages. Search for Calvary Chapel Inglewood in your app store. If you're looking for a place to connect this weekend, we'd love for you to join us for church. Look on our website for the latest information on service times and locations. We're a group of people who love to learn from God's Word and be together as the family of God. Again, our website is calvaryinglewood.org. As we looked into the book of 2 Corinthians, has it caused you to think about whether you honor your leaders? It's clear in this book that Paul felt disrespected as a leader, and there were some who did not make it a joy for him to serve in leading them. God calls us to honor and respect the leaders God has put in place. Supporting those that God has positioned over you to shepherd you can bring about a great sense of godly unity. In fact, think about sending an encouraging note or message to those who are in a leading or shepherding position in your life. If you've noticed that this ministry has been a blessing to you, we're glad that we can be a part of that. Would you be praying for a transforming word? As the message goes out, many listeners may be hearing about the Lord for the very first time. Pray for open ears, soft hearts, and changed lives. Thanks for your support of a transforming word.